When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. I want to remind people, there is no award for coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers and frankly, nobody cares. And Dan Weeder. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Good evening and welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Hoff from 670 The Score, The Mullion Haw Show. Dan Weederer from the Chicago Tribune is at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta following the Bears' 27-24 loss. Thank you for tuning in to the Take the North podcast. Download, subscribe, and of course, uh, listen and give us some feedback. We appreciate your feedback. Dan, this loss to the Falcons was another winnable game, another one-possession game. And this time, you can insult the Bears, but the added injury is a little bit harder to take and maybe anticipate. Let's start with the big news. Obviously, the loss hurts, but it might hurt more if this was damaging to Justin Fields. His left shoulder received uh, – he got x-rays post-game. They were very vague uh, about the explanation. You were there. What did you see and what can you tell us? Yeah, so the injury that you are speaking of occurred on the first play of the Bears' final drive. Justin Fields on a design run, running outside to his left, got hit by D. Alford and just landed a little bit funny on his left shoulder, right? And so he was able to play two more plays, but was an obvious discomfort. Uh, and the Bears ultimately lose the game because of that. But the big news, as you mentioned, is the health of Justin Fields. I think there is some concern here and still digging around trying to get some information on the injury that there might be a bit of a separation in Justin's left shoulder. I think if, if you understand what a three and eight football team looks like and what the future of this team looks like, the idea of him missing some time here is very real, right? As the Bears head to New York next week to play the Jets, it may be with Trevor Simeon taking over in the uh, in the driver's seat of this offense. And I don't think that's what anybody wanted after what we've seen over the past month with where this offense and this quarterback were going. And so it's something we're going to have to keep tabs on. There's going to be multiple discussions this week, David, on on, on Justin Fields' health, on Justin Fields' play, and what the Bears can do uh, to make sure that these types of things don't become uh, interruptions throughout the duration of his career. Here we are with the reaction podcast, certainly hours after the game ends. So there are more questions and answered and I think answers and I think what we don't know outweighs what we do but from your observations and I guess just in talking to people in the locker room post game would you say that obviously yeah on that first down it looked like he aggravated it, it looked like he injured it again but he went into that series 
previously having been spotted grimacing in pain. He was massaging his hamstrings. He was maybe adjusting his shoulder. He was getting worked on the sidelines. What was his physical health going into that final series as far as you well, know it, Dan? Well, look, he, he told us after the game that, that all that stretching and, and the leg work he was doing was due to cramping, that he was cramping throughout today's game, and that that was the, the most significant issue he was dealing with for whatever reason, uh, being inside and not, not having the fresh air of the Chicago chill that he's had the last couple of weeks of fall. Uh, he, he was cramping up throughout the game. And so you had to get that work done. Look, look, we, we, we said going into this game that we had to keep an eye on those tired legs that he talked about coming out of the, the lions game. Right. And, and, and make sure that the bears had a pulse on that. Uh, you know, David, I, I, you can speak to this as as well as I can. I think that this loss is going to trigger a level of, agitation and ire amongst the fan base that's going to be hard to get our arms around this week because there's going to be a lot of finger pointing being done right and it's just going to make the discussion that we've been having really for the last month plus as we've monitored all this a little bit more complicated because i think people's uh, raw nerves are exposed with the way that this game ended with the injury that justin suffered with the way the play calling was on the last series with the bears inability once again to not take advantage of a drive that put them in position to either tie or win the game in the fourth quarter and now all of a sudden we've got a, a, a shouting match on our hands yeah let's uh, keep our eye on the ball here though this is what i'm going to try to do is that look at just exactly what happened and evaluate it based on what we're used to evaluating and no that doubt. is play calling and judgment and this is a reaction and we don't know a lot of things but but it, i think both things can be true dan i think luke getsy really did not show a lot of smarts or wisdom on the final drive i would have liked to seen them come out committed to moving the ball via the air, especially when you have a quarterback whose physical health was clearly already compromised, and it appeared that he was making decisions not to run, whereas in the past, had he been 100%, he would have taken off and tucked and ran. So I think that, yes, I would have been more aggressive on the final drive. I would have thrown the ball on first down. I would have thrown the ball on second down, and I probably would have thrown the ball on third down. The interception is what it is. But, but Dan, I think that just wrapping up here, I think that that can be true. And I'm not going to blame Luke Getze for exposing his quarterback to injury because he got hurt on the first designed run in a series that was ill-fated because of that call. I think that when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields, he's, he had 14 carries in the first half. This is a guy who runs the ball to the point where he has become a star in the making and he is as big of a celebrity and as big as a as a as a guy as we've seen grow in, that him grow into because of his ability to run the ball. So I get that. I'm not going to place blame there and I can also say that boy that was maybe Luke Getz's worst play calling series of the year. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that after the first down play, I, you know, I said, what, what, what was that? What were they, what were they doing there? You get, you're running basically a quarterback outside, and and I'd like to know whether there was a read there pre-snap that says, okay, this could be a pass play if we get the, the look we want. If not, go here. Don't know that at this point. The second run is a, a quarterback draw after that, and you're like, oh boy, okay, so they're they're they're, they're in a lane here that I'm not sure they want to be in on a game deciding drive. I do want to push back on you, or at least get more of your thoughts on, on when you say the interception is. Is what it is because that's a this this is this is quarterback in the NFL and and, and I'm not going to drop this point that a quarterback needs to be able to, to to no matter what supporting cast he has around him needs to be able to go and make game winning plays and game winning moments and this is three straight weeks they haven't and this one's an interception on I think it's third and four right okay. third and four or third and five you're right let, let me let me explain that I, I don't mean it the way that it sounded that's why it's good to talk through this I am not I'm not giving him a pass on the interception. 
when I said it is what it is, it was kind of in the context of looking at the final drive the way it was called. You're in third and whatever, five. or yeah. you, You've got to throw there. You've got to call a pass there. So your first two plays are, you know, runs or they or passes that were turned into runs, whatever the case, it wasn't good execution or, or imagination. On third down, I think you do have a pass play. I don't like the design of it if David Montgomery was your intended target. I think you've got to move the pocket. You've got to go to Mooney. You've got to go to Cole Komet. You've got to use your weapons. And I don't think check down to a running back in that case is. And your point is well taken. For the second week in a row, the Bears had an opportunity to make plays in the passing game in the final drive, and they were unable to do so. A lot of factors may have contributed to that. But, yes, that should be – that should be the reasonable expectation of an NFL quarterback in that situation. I don't argue with that at all. No, and and I, I just hope that uh, you know as we go forward that we understand that that is a box that needs to be checked eventually for this quarterback in this passing offense. If you want to argue that it will be checked eventually, okay, you know that that's that's an assertion, but it, it's still something that needs to be shown and there needs to be evidence of it. Look, I, I don't think the Bears played well really across the board today. I, you know, I, I spent some time in the Falcons locker room after the game in part because Cordero Patterson set a new NFL record with his ninth career kickoff return touchdown after the Bears talked all week about how much of an alien and a freak he was back there and how they didn't want to give him opportunities to beat them. And then they, they gave him a they, they kicked to him after with a 17-7 lead and all the momentum in the world in the first half, right? And then and then you hung up a ball. Uh Cairo Santos said he was trying to get you know some good hang time on it and get the coverage down there, but it's only three deep. And, and and David, what was cool was Cordero Patterson, you know, obviously he was the victim of the fumble a couple uh, a couple moments earlier that set the Bears up for that short field touchdown drive. And he was asked, you know, how deep would that kick have been needed to be? for you to not bring it out and he said 12 yards he said if it was if it was 12 yards they may have blown the whistle but i was still coming out with it so you knew where his headspace was and he came out and and really you know you look back at it i'll, I'll be interested to look at it in more detail but i don't think the coverage was terrible on it this is just a a legendary kickoff returner hitting the gas where he needed to hit the gas and the bears not having uh, any contain there to, to to slow him down enough to tackle him I think Hicks made a bad read on that. Uh, Elijah Hicks might have made a bad read. But you're right. Uh, this was a case, the way I looked at it and looked at the replay and watched it again during the commercial, he just committed himself to going up the middle, and he beat he beat two defenders to a gap, and they couldn't close the angle just because he has that, uh, yeah, that, that, that natural burst, and he gets to a gear other guys can't reach. And then he was able to outrun everybody. And Brisker, I don't think, took the greatest angle. I don't like starters on special teams for that reason. I think that he looked at that, not to blame him. It wasn't all him. It wasn't maybe even, you know, 25% him. But when you have a starter on your kickoff coverage team, I think they view it as a breather, as a break. And when you're playing against Cordero Patterson, a guy who now yeah. has returned three kickoffs against the Bears <laughs> with three different teams and yeah. set an NFL record, you can't take that play off. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. No, no question about it. I, you know, I joked with Patterson after the game. I said, look, like five of your nine career kickoff return touchdowns have come in Bears games, three against the Bears and two while with the Bears. Right. So so the majority of his damage comes with us watching right very closely. And uh, look, he was very, very you know excited about the milestone that he reached. And uh, but the Bears, you know, they've got to be better on special teams. They got to be better on defense. You can't allow the opposing team to go down the field on the first drive of the game and score a touchdown without having to convert a third down. The only third down that the, the Falcons converted, it was because Justin Jones had a neutral zone infraction and they didn't even need to, to run a play, right? And so the, just errors across the board. And we know that this is what this team is. We know they're three and eight. We know they're a last place squad. We know they're, they're, they're kind of climbing up those draft boards. But all that is to me is a revelation of how far they, they, they have to go, right? And I just like, it's hard to wrap your brain around the idea that uh, it's no big deal. You know, it's no big deal to be one of the three or four worst teams in the league because we'll just get it turned around in one offseason. To me, it's an illumination of, of just how long it's going to take to get yourself to be ready. I mean, this is the Lions and the Falcons the last two weeks, David. I mean, this isn't the top of the NFL. They're going to see the Eagles in a couple weeks. They're going to see the Bills in December, right? Like, they're going to get a look at what top tier football looks like. They're looking at middle to bottom tier football and they can't win. Well, it's also just a testament. You you have a, a season in which you have parity is there if you want to embrace it. And you have teams that are doing that. The Lions, you have teams like they saw today, the Falcons. You have teams <laughs> that can rise up on the rare occasion and play like the Bears played against the Patriots. But that was four long weeks ago, and it's going to be uh, more than a month between victories. And while uh, a lot of people want to justify the draft position improvement and a lot of things saying that doesn't matter, try telling that to Matt Eberflus. Try telling that to a guy who was at the podium today and now is after his fourth straight loss, and he talks about the character of the team. It's going to be tested, and I will be curious, but you got six games left to go, and you have a Bears team that – uh, has has answered maybe one question this year, and that's about the quarterback, and now he's compromised. So I don't know where this goes from here, but it's a very difficult six games ahead. Well, try telling that to Ryan Poles. As you know here, sometimes we're in the press box and the front office sits directly above us. When Justin Fields threw that interception to end the Bears' last position, uh, possession, Ryan Poles slammed the table behind us in the press box and was visibly angry that that was the way that game was going to end, and, and him and his staff marched off to the locker room. And so it tells you that they're, they're not just in mail-in mode, right? They're not just in this, these results don't matter to us mode, right? And and, and that's that's on the inside for a guy that's going to be the architect of trying to put this thing back together in the offseason. The, 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 the immediate task is putting fields back together, right? And now you've got a guy who obviously his physical toughness is undeniable. And Justin came and met with the media after the game and said, look, like it was the last drive of the game. I wasn't going to pull myself out at that point. And so you give him so much credit for the ability to gut through things and, and, and make a decision like that. But ultimately you now have to worry, right? Like how do we manage this over the last six plus weeks of the season to make sure that, that we don't, 
see something more severe, right? Or, or, or something that, that nags or, or you get this shoulder injured again. And so now they've got a bunch of decisions to make and they're not easy decisions and they're not going to help the, the competitiveness of this team if we're going to see Trevor Simeon for two or three weeks. Uh, who knows? Who knows what direction this goes? The x-rays and the medical uh, information will probably make their minds up for them. If it becomes a judgment call, then it becomes very interesting because you start to weigh the things that we've been talking about all season long, the health and preservation and development of a quarterback and what can he do in the final six games to prove what he hasn't proven yet. And as you say, the boxes that he have, he, he's checked almost all the boxes, almost all the boxes this year. Yeah. The ones that he have, hasn't keep coming up. It, they were unchecked last week against the Lions and they're unchecked today against the Falcons and people can push back at that, but they're big are, boxes, David, they're, they're big boxes. boxes. And if you're evaluating quarterbacks, you can't really, you know, you don't get my stamp of approval. Boom. You don't get that. Not just me, but any evaluators of approval until you check those boxes. I think he was at 153 passing yards again today. So that's still a total below 200. I think the Bears only had 99 total yards in the second half, which was a regression from what we'd seen over the past month. Of course, you're allowed to have a, a slow half after you've been on the tear that they've been on. No one's going to hold them to that standard every single quarter of every single week. But it also seemed like the Falcons found some answers, right, to keep them contained and to, and to keep them uh, playing on their terms. And, and that was one advantage of going into the Falcons locker room. D. Alford, who was the cornerback who actually knocked Justin out of bounds on that hit that, that hurt his shoulder, said, look, like we knew that this was the the league's number one rushing team but we also knew that we could keep them one dimensional and so you know the, the some of the game plan was to 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 do things that that kept Justin in the pocket now to Justin's credit there are times where they have him surrounded and they've kept him in the pocket and he yeah. still somehow finds a way matter. to escape and, and and get out but it did seem at times that 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 they found ways to to make him stay in there and Justin still doesn't seem comfortable pulling the trigger on reads that are on straight pocket passing right like the, the even the the big completion to to Montgomery, which was probably one of his best plays of the day down the sideline. There was a deep shot there to Mooney that he just didn't take. And I, I you know, some of those one-on-one matchups ripped the trigger. Now you're gifted enough to get out on the move and buy time and, and then make that play and hit a 32 yard game that keeps a fourth quarter touchdown drive alive. And you get credit for that, but they're going to have to continue to work with him on, on seeing what NFL open looks like from inside the pocket and just ripping it. That 32-yard completion of Montgomery was tremendous, a thing of beauty, because he pointed, then he threw, and it was a dart. Um, the Colt Komet 23-yard <laughs> catch uh, was, was great because one-handed, but it was you know more the catch than the throw, but it was, it was a pretty completion. The 67-yard overthrow, I found it interesting that Darnell Mooney said I, he was tired, he didn't run the great route, he took responsibility. I don't know about that, Dan. I think that you have to put that a little bit closer. That's one of those things we talk about. Not every quarterback's going to be on all the time, but it just underscores how you'd like to be more predictable and consistent in the passing game. No question. And that's a missed opportunity, right? You've got a 67 yard touchdown sitting there for you with the defender that fell down. And so that ball has got to be completed. You got to be able to, to connect on those things. Um, look, it, there's going to be pushback. We, we've, we've established that there's a, there's a crowd out there that doesn't want Justin blamed for anything, but Justin's got to check some big boxes here to be, you know, if, if we're going to anoint him a 10 year answer in a city, right. And the savior of an organization that hasn't had a, a winning for, 
franchise quarterback in since the Luckman days, right? Then 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 you have to uh, to to see certain things that make it look like this is going to be going to be something that's there. Uh, I don't know. It's just this is going to be an uncomfortable six or seven weeks because of where they're at now with three and eight with you know the sta- status of fields. Now Luke Getzey is certainly going to be under fire from the fan base given the way this game went, and and it's going to be an interesting uh, Thanksgiving week up at Hallis Hall as they try to write themselves because you do uh, you know as well as I do that like finding motivation right and finding morale <laughs> they've won one time since september ended right that's that's a long skid here that, that it, 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 there comes a point where human nature says eh, you know i'm i'm you don't even need to check out all the way but if you check out 15 percent, all of a sudden the product is way worse that's why it's to me you have to always at some point in time value what winning means or respect what winning means to an organization, how hard it is to win in the NFL and why you have to take advantage when you do have winnable games and you can't blow them down the stretch. Like we have seen now two weeks in a row, unfortunately. All right, let's bring in Adam Studzinski, give away some game balls, um, uh, moral victories. Uh, I don't know how to categorize them anymore. I'm running out of boxes to check, but studs, if you had to give your game ball today, who would you give it to? So and, and yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge moral victories guy. Like the 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 Miami Dolphins game was a moral victory. That right. the last the last couple of games have just been kind of kind of painful to take. But I you know I gotta give my I'm gonna give my game ball to Justin Fields because and 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 you guys have talked about it. Like you know we can talk about the bad plays he had and like he certainly had his bad plays and he certainly cost them at times. At the end of the day, he had 238 yards of total offense, accounted for two touchdowns, and led that fourth quarter drive where he was responsible for the entire drive. I walked away from the game feeling like his coaches and a lot of the guys around him let him down in more ways than he let them down. And so I, I'm going to give him the game ball because it just – it I it felt just gross to me walking away having to watch him walk off the field hurt, having played as hard as he did – and not getting to win the game, it just so I, I'm still I'm still obviously upset about it. So, <laughs> so well, I think gets, the, in, the injury is hard. The injury is the hardest thing to see. I think yeah. for everybody because you don't want to play that out because and, there's so much we don't know. And and one thing, and and I want to make sure that we do bring this up, and and, and we don't have to discuss it a whole lot but the thing that upset me the most on that last drive was on second down when he slides and there's a helmet to helmet contact and there's no flag that was the third time that i counted in that game that there should have been a flag that by the letter of the law that tom brady gets these calls all the time that was the third time in that game that justin Fields should have had a flag called that would have given the bears a first down and it wasn't called and it's starting to it's been happening for two years now with him so I don't know what the guy has to do to get a call like that. And then, of course, the next play, he throws that tip pass interception. And that becomes the story that we have to talk about. But and and by the way, sorry, one last thing. That ball was in David Montgomery's hands. Oh, no, 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 I, no, no. I froze frame, I froze frame this thing multiple times, Dan. You can freeze frame it. That ball, that ball is Wasn't three feet ball. higher Wasn't than it ball. needs to be. Yeah, it was Wasn't not a good ball. ball. That, yeah. That's the stuff we've got to avoid where it's like, yes, it hit David Montgomery's hands. Justin's own admission is it was a, it, he sailed it. It, oh, it, the yeah, ball, it, was. it was a it was a poorly thrown pass, and we've got to avoid that little trap of saying, "Oh my God, Justin's <laughs> infallible." Blame the other guy. No, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, just that, had it meatballs was on for him. dinner, so <laughs> it was on him. Yeah, that was that. That's my meatball moment right there. You're right. That the, the last throw was on him, but everything <laughs> leading up to that just really frustrated me. It's like, oh, now of course he's going to throw the interception that ends the game, 
after there probably should have been a first down, after his offensive coordinator put him in a terrible position two plays in a row, and after his team just just played bad around him for three quarters. So Justin Fields right. is my game ball. I didn't mean to go on a whole tangent. That's okay. There. Cool. You're, <laughs> you're going to be taking calls, right, on 670 the score, 670thescore.com, beginning but, one time. Not not today, not today, not tomorrow, okay. actually, because I'm working for Chris Tannehill on the afternoon show all week. So, but the week next week after that, I will be. G- Gabe Ramirez will be on at 3 a.m. on the score. Awesome. Call in and let Gabe know what you think about what Studs just said. All right, Dan, <laughs> your game ball. I'm going with Jaquan Brisker for the fumble he forced on Cordero Patterson, right? It was just a, a, a hits principle type play where Cordero Patterson turns a, a busted run into a 17-yard gain and he's loose and he's getting a little greedy. But as Brisker said in the locker room after the game, like we saw on film that there's times when he gets in the open field and he's a little bit loose with that football. And so his eyes saw an opportunity to go give one of those punches, knock the ball out, and it creates a, a takeaway. J- Jalen Johnson jumps on it. The Bears turn that into a 29-yard touchdown drive with field scoring on the four-yard run, and that's everything you're asking for, right? Like, you want a takeaway that turns into points, and they got it there, and, and Jaquan Brisker continues to to show moments, right, that, that, that tell you, okay, like, we can lock this guy into the depth chart for, for five, six, seven years here and feel pretty good that, that you know, he's going to make more big plays than, than, than poor plays. I like him. I like the way he played today. He hits with authority and confidence. I, I'll stay... Uh, I'll go on the offensive side because I I don't think that defensively, even though they only gave up 20 points, it's still hard to find. I'm not going to go Jack Sanborn. He had nine tackles. He had a good day. I'm not going to go, uh, you know, opposite uh, that, but, but Sanborn did a nice job. Um, I'll go with David Montgomery, 67 yards, rushing 54 passing or receiving and overall an increased load from Khalil Herbert's absence, David Montgomery, even though, even though Stud says he should have caught the ball on that last play, <laughs> I will go with in defense of David Montgomery saying it was a little high. Don't hold that against him. David Montgomery gets my game ball. All right. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, the, the Bears rushed for 160 yards and we, we're at a state now where we say only 160, right? Like right. they've been so good getting up north of 200 that when it's when it's at 160, you're like, boy, what a regression that was. Uh, so, that, you know, that was interesting. But Tristan Ebner, we, we talked about wanting to see him uh, take advantage of the moment. His production there wasn't there today. And, and so the, the, the Bears may miss Khalil Herbert more than we thought. All right, we'll wrap things up real quickly here with a couple of loose ends. So, Dan, tell us how the week typically will work in regard to injury and information. <laughs> also, is there anything else that came out of this game? The one thing that we can get into on our pod that will drop Tuesday morning, I want to explore this whole Tevin Jenkins. I'm yeah. available to back up but not play mentality because Michael Schofield struggled and deserved to be replaced and he wasn't. So I kind of want to know where that is headed and anything else you saw today that's going to linger and, and kind of pay attention to in the days uh, first days of this week. Look, the Jenkins thing was was one I wanted to talk about. And like you said, we can talk about it at more length when we come because Matt Eberflus, I asked him directly after the game, you know, how is it that Tevin is healthy enough to be active, but, uh, you know, not capable of starting and and Matt's answer was basically that's what Tevin told us right and and so that that raises some questions as we go forward here and try to get our arms around that situation. I also think for those who are curious to see if Clay, Chase Claypool could have a bigger impact on a game in his third game as Baird didn't wasn't there today, was it? Didn't really see a lot of Chase Claypool, not a lot of big play opportunities there. And so we're still looking for, you know, that that uh, that other receiver outside of uh, Darnell Mooney that, that Justin Fields can rely on. The, Mo- the the Mooney touchdown catch in the in the first half was was a thing of beauty. Really, really nice route run. Uh, uses the, the the switch release there and gets the 
the, the screen from EQ St. Brown and, and Justin puts a ball on him. And it's, that's, that's the type of play that you want to see on the regular. And so that was a nice moment. And as Studs points out, besides you take Justin Fields out of the rushing equation, Bears backs had 23 carries, 75 yards. So I wonder if we're giving the offensive line more credit than maybe they have earned or deserved based on the explosiveness of a quarterback who's running all over the place and makes people miss. I don't know. Maybe it's there. Maybe this is just an overreaction to, boy, they didn't get 200 yards rushing, but there's something to keep an eye on. That offensive line composition always is. Riley Reef, I think, saved an interception. Uh, earlier in the game, so I guess he gets a little bit of a uh, that's, a that's a plus instead of a minus on that play. Yeah, and that that was a ball that hit a falcon in the helmet. Justin later in the game hit Michael Schofield in the back of the head with a ball that was like that. whoa. Yeah, he beamed him in the back of the head. That wasn't that wasn't wasn't the best there. Last thing, Cairo Santos, he's hard on himself. He's asking a lot, I know, but what did you think about that missed field goal? Is he's had a couple bad weeks where I'm sure that they were probably long. It was a long flight home for Santos. He probably feels like he should have hit that one at the end of the first half and at, comes on the heels of last week missing an extra point. Where is his head, do you think? Well, look, I think that would have been a career long for Santos. And so it's not necessarily like that was right in the wheelhouse of his range. And, and so there were some questions there, right? Like on, on why yeah, I'm trying to remember the situation there with how much time was left in the half, but it's fourth and nine there from the 38. So they go for, for the 56-yard field goal rather than uh, – rather than than punting right and, and setting themselves up for more success there i think the falcons ended up getting a, a field goal on top of that right at the back end to tie it up going into half and so the, you know that's some situational game management that's worth looking at too i'm less worried about cairo because that's a long kick as i am about you know like lost in this past month is like our examination of matt eberflus as the head coach of this team right and and, and the things that he's able right. to do to create success is you know if you're just going to forgive a stretch where you lose seven of eight and don't take a deeper magnitude glass on is the coach doing enough to set this team up for success then we're, we're, we're going to miss a, a pretty big boat as well so that's something that in the weeks ahead I think we got to make sure that we keep our focus on even as Fields Fever uh, takes over the conversation in so many ways I like that I like that idea and that's what we'll begin to do or continue on Tuesday when we drop our next podcast on Take the North Dan Weeder's column on this game can be found at Chicago Tribune Com. My column on this game can be found on 670thescore.com. Call the score, 670thescore, 312-644-6767. Gabe Ramirez will start taking your calls at 3 a.m. <laughs> until 5.30 when the Moline Haw Show takes over. So thank you for joining us uh, after this 27-24 Bears loss to the Atlanta Falcons on the Take the North podcast. Download on your free Odyssey app or whatever, wherever you get your podcast, Listen and subscribe. We'll be back Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening. Great talk. See you out there.